You know, I was, uh, was running the other day, and I was listening to this, uh, this podcast, and uh, the guy who was sharing, he just said, um, you know, sometimes in life, uh, we need to get out of our scheduled habits and be more spontaneous. We are, as Americans, so scheduled, like we have to do this, this, and this, and we're like, okay, here's the order, here's the plan, and this person was just encouraging more spontaneity in life. And I'm so thankful that I have a spontaneous friend in Vidal who just comes and is like, I'm just going to sing and we'll see where it goes. So he stretches me. So thank you for stretching us and thank you for just leading us in worship, Vidal. This is absolutely uh, amazing. Um, and even last week, I asked Mike to share and, and he shared and I and, uh, had some thoughts that I was going to share. But I was like, you know what? That's what God had in store for us uh, last week. And it was so good just to hear what God is doing all around the world. And I was just blown away last week as Mike was sharing because, you know, really a couple things that really t- that touched me was seeing the picture of uh, Mike praying for those two daughters and the family born into a caste system, born into uh, a situation that they could never get out of. Because in Mike's words, and this is so powerful, they owed a debt that they couldn't pay. And so their life and their family's life was spent making those bricks and then all of a sudden, someone comes along and pays that debt, setting them free. I mean, what a picture of the gospel. You know, and then also Mike sharing about um, the person that he ran into, the Pakistanian um, uh, uh, member of parliament or whatever, the, the government, a governing official, that just said, like, anything that you want, like, this, this event is going to happen, anything that you guys need, I'll just make sure it happens. And the thing that hit me about that the story is, Mike, and we, lo- we all love Mike, not most of us do. <laughs> um, Mike grew up in Zeeland, Michigan, and is a very, at the end of the day, a very normal guy. And the only thing, the only reason that stuff like that happens is, um, is because of the power of the Spirit. It's because of the Holy Spirit at work in Mike, and in that group that he went with. And thinking about those stories uh, made me think about like other stories that I've, that I've loved and I've heard over the years of just God moving in ordinary people. There was a, a, a gentleman, maybe you know this name, maybe you don't, but pretty significant uh, impact in the city of Holland in, in West Michigan. His name was Martin Clapper. He came to Holland in 1859. Martin was not Dutch. He did not act Dutch. He came and he was very loud. He acted differently than this quiet, sedate Holland community. And when he went to church, he would often yell out, amen, in the middle of the service. Well, that was quite the um, distraction for those who came who were used to sitting in silence, sitting in quietly. And they would look at him, and he'd be yelling out, amen, and all of this stuff. And, and people were like, who is this guy? Well, Martin started to have these meetings above a saloon in downtown Holland. And he started to invite people. And they would sing a song. They would pray together. And then he would share the gospel, inviting people to repent. And more people started to come. So they had to move out of this upper room, I guess, of this saloon and, and go to the city hall at the time. And eventually they started meeting in the church that been, uh, Albertus Vinaralti was pastoring at in a large room because so many people were coming. And it says in the history of, of, of Holland, West Michigan, that, that confirmed drunkards in this community <laughs> had their lives transformed by the power of Jesus and became leaders in this city, giving their hearts to Jesus. I laugh because this Martin guy just came in 1859, ordinary dude, 
And just full of the Spirit, started sharing and preaching, and that's what God did. This week I was uh, talking to a, another friend of mine, and he was telling me this amazing work that is happening in Ethiopia right now, where a young man is translating Scripture into people's language because they've never had a copy of Scripture. I mean, we're so blessed with multiple copies of Scripture. And so here's this guy paying attention to detail over in Ethiopia, translating scripture. And he goes, my friend says this, he goes, you know what? He's also autistic. And he is devoting his work, his life to doing this. And I think about that and I think about someone who has who is, um, been given that gift, paying attention to details, God moving through him, God using him to transform a community. And how does that happen? That is only by the power of the Spirit of God. All these people that I'm sharing about are just normal, normal people. And last week I shared that quote from N.T. Wright, where he talked about like that the church should be this, you know, this community that is making a positive impact in their community. And I think of what Mike's group did. I think about what Martin Clapper did years ago. I think about what this guy's doing over in Ethiopia. And this is why I get so pumped up about the church, the people of God, not the building or anything like that. But this is why I get so pumped up about the church and believe in the power of the church. It's because over and over again, I hear stories of people who have encountered Jesus. People who have been transformed by the gospel, knowing that their, their sins have been forgiven. Knowing that they are a new creation in Christ. People that are living in such a way saying, you know what? I want to make an impact in this world. And it looks this way for some, that way for some, another way for others. And I just get so encouraged. And even when I look at all of you, ordinary people, don't take that as an insult. Ordinary people, all of us are ordinary. But people have been touched by Jesus and you're like, I want to live this way. But what is the secret? Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, and then we're going to hop into Acts. John chapter 16. Jesus is sitting with his disciples. And he says this in verse 5 of John chapter 16. Now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So Jesus is talking and saying, you know what? I'm going away. None of you have asked where I'm going, but now you're sad because I'm leaving you. Which, you know, anytime you see a friend leave or, or there's that separation, there is sadness. I mean, they walked with Jesus for a number of years. They, they saw him do the, the miraculous. They interacted with their friend, and, and now he's like, I'm going away. And so there was some sadness. But then he said this in verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Jesus is saying, it's, it's better for you that I go away. It's better for you that, that, that I leave, because if I leave, then the helper will come and guide you. And what Jesus is saying is saying, like the same power that, that, that empowered Jesus, empowered him to perform miracles, empowered him to teach, empowered him to, to heal the sick, to, to cast out demons. That same power, the same spirit that was in him, he is now going to go away and he's going to leave that same spirit to empower followers of Jesus to do the same thing. And so pretty much Jesus was saying, you know what, it's better to have the Holy Spirit living in you than me standing right next to you. And I think about that and I'm like, wow, what a powerful, powerful picture. I mean, I would, always, I would love, I would love 
for Jesus just to come physically in this room and boom, here we, here we see him. But he's saying it is better that he goes away and gives the spirit to be within us, to empower us. I was thinking of this. I had this candy bar on my, my desk all week. There's so much potential in this candy bar. Potential to satisfy. <laughs> potential to, you know, give me, you know, some sugar and some energy. And all week I've been looking at this candy bar. It's been right by my side. But this candy bar really has had no power over my life. Until, right, until I open it up and get it inside me. Todd wants one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I eat it. And now you often watch me eat it. <laughs> but I think that's the same thing with the power of the Spirit. Jesus is saying, like, it's better that, that I'm not next to you. The same Spirit that I have in me is going to be sent to be in you. And I want to talk about that this morning. Because so often when we look at the, the book of Acts, Take two seconds to talk about yourself. Talk about yourself. <laughs> That's a good candy bar. I've been wanting to do that all week. The thing with the book of Acts is too often we can look at it and say, we have to copy this or do what they're doing here or there. And there's so many things that we can learn from the book of Acts. But I would argue the very thing that transformed a group of ordinary people sitting up in a room was the power of the Spirit. And the same Spirit that is alive today that can transform us and lead us and guide us. And so let's look at Acts 2 and learn and just see what happened because it's, this is the very foundation of the church. The very foundation and empowerment of the church as a group of believers were sitting in the upper room waiting, doing what Jesus told them to do, to wait and then in Acts chapter 2, this is what happened. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, we don't know all who were there. We don't know what place they were. A lot of description is given. I'm thinking it's the upper room where they were at before, where they were praying. I was thinking 100, 120 of them were there, praying together, interacting. And it says in verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven... A sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And just picture that. Picture that scene. We have read this numerous times, and I think we can get familiar with this scene. Sound of a mighty rushing wind coming from heaven. I mean, it's like November in Michigan. Like those, those big strong winds coming over the lake. I mean, that mighty rushing wind. And then fire appearing on top of them, like tongues of fire resting on them. We can't miss this. Like in, in, in the Old Testament, when God showed up, when his, his power came, it was often described as a wind. You think of the Red Sea, you think of when they crossed over in dry ground, it said that the, the wind, the mighty wind came and pushed back the water. And the Israelites walked across dry land. You think about fire in the Old Testament. It's a very picture of the, the presence of God. They led them by a pillar of fire at night. 
Moses, there was a burning bush and fire as the presence of the Lord was there. And so as we read this in Acts chapter 2, it was very much the presence and the power of God falling on that room. And all of a sudden they speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And look what happens in verse 5. It says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing and speaking his own language. And what a beautiful picture that is. They're all speaking in different tongues, and people are hearing them speak in their own language. If that doesn't paint a picture of God's heart for the nations, I don't know what does. They are hearing in their own language, in a way that they can understand. It says, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans, ordinary people? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, one another what does this mean? But others were mocking them, saying, they are filled with new wine. It's powerful. Here they are, they, they hear them, they're speaking in tongues and they're filled with the Spirit. And, and what are they saying? What are they proclaiming? They're proclaiming the mighty works of God. God empowers them. God empowers the church, this, this group of believers, to proclaim the good news, to proclaim what God has done. And people are hearing in their own tongues, in their own language. And there's two different responses. People, some are amazed, and they're asking a question like, what does this mean? Which is always one response when people hear about the mighty works that God is doing. But then there's others who are saying, you know what? These people are all filled with new wine, or filled with wine. They're mocking them. They're saying, they feel the chief wine is how the message puts it. And Peter, look at verse 14, stands up. Peter, with, standing up with the eleven, lifts up his voice and addresses them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. And then he goes on and shares from Joel, which I'll get to in a little bit. Peter, one of the individuals who's up in that room, part of the 120, as a spirit falls, Peter stands up in front of them and starts proclaiming. Now you would think like, okay, of course Peter would be doing this because Peter was always the one who was quick to say something. Peter was always the one who was quick to do something. But let's remember what happened in Peter's life 50 days before this. He was told by Jesus that he was going to deny Jesus. And Peter's response was like, no, I'm not going to deny you. And then a young girl comes up to him and says, you're a follower of Jesus. And what does he do? He denies knowing Jesus. Three times he denies knowing Jesus. And now here we see Peter powerfully proclaiming, about to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in front of the same people that yelled, crucify him about Jesus. That said, give us Barabbas instead of Jesus. What was the thing that transpired in Peter's life? What changed him from being this coward into a powerful proclaimer of the gospel? 
And we can't miss this. It ha it's so clear, and sometimes we complicate things. It was the very Spirit of God. The very Spirit of God fell on Peter, and he started to proclaim. And the truth is, if we want to be effective for Jesus in this world, we have to be filled with the Spirit. We have to allow the Spirit to consume every part of our lives, giving us the power to proclaim. Peter was not a powerful proclaimer of the gospel in his own natural sense. It was the Spirit that empowered him, that drove him, that led him. And if we're going to do anything in this world, we have to be desperate for the Spirit of God to fall on us and work through us. And what I love about this picture is the church, the 120 that were up in that upper room, they're worshiping, they're praying, the Spirit falls, and what happens? They go out. The Spirit empowers them to go out. It's never been about sitting in a room just singing kumbaya, saying, oh, this is so nice. It's all about an environment like this where we are encouraged and filled by the Spirit to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And Peter says this, using these words from Joel, the prophet Joel. He says this, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Prophecy from Joel, God saying, I will pour out my spirit. And the beautiful thing about God is what God promises to do, he will do. And so he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Well, who is the spirit? What is the spirit? Is it this power? Is it this force? No, it's the, the third member of the Trinity that we get introduced here. It's the one who was hovering over the deep from the very beginning. It was the very like, spirit of God. He says, I'm pouring out myself on you. I've given you this vision, I've given you this mission, and now I'm giving you the power to act, actually accomplish this mission. And so God is pouring out himself. The Holy Spirit is not an it, some abstract force. The Holy Spirit is a person, a person to have a relationship with, a person who can be grieved, a person who can lead us and direct us. And God is saying, this is who the Spirit is. They want to get that snickers out. <laughs> but I think that's powerful to understand that, that here we have God. We sing about this. God, who is a good father, saying, this is what I want you to do. This is the life that I want you to live. But you know what? I'm going to give you the very power to accomplish this. Because I'm going to give you myself. And that is what we have to cry out for and be desperate for is, God, we need your presence. We need you to pour out your spirit on our lives to lead and to guide us. And here's the other cool thing about this little section of prophecy. He promises to pour out his spirit on all people. Men, women, young, old, servants, everyone. And I think that is one of the things that has been tragic in the life of the church is for so often... There has been religious people that have sprouted up and have tried to control, saying this person can speak or that person can speak. And here, from the prophet Joel, God is saying, you know what? I want my spirit to pour out on all people. 
not limited to those who might get paid by a church or whatever, but all people, not limited to those who just go to a school or get a, a degree. No, all people are empowered to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. And this is a thing that, I, that just saddens me because people have felt limited, people have felt disqualified because they don't look a certain way or act a certain way or didn't go to this school or that school. And God is saying, no, my spirit's for all people. And I'm going to work through all people. Years ago, I ran into a, a person in this community that was pretty high up. And he sat with me and had coffee. And I was talking to him about getting into to ministry and to doing different things. And, and he goes, well, Dave, you know that anyone who wants to preach in this town comes through me. <laughs> Interesting. Didn't know I was sitting with God. <laughs> <laughs> but I share that, and there might be some bitterness in my heart, and I'm working on that. <laughs> I share that because there's sadness in me because religious people have always tried to control a move of God and control how God was going to work. And I didn't go through that person, feeling on my stubbornness. And I'm like, no person is going to tell us or tell you or me who preaches and who teaches and who does what. The only person that does that is God empowering people through the power of the Spirit. Yeah. And so what does this mean for us today? What is this like the Acts 2 picture of the Spirit falling on believers? What does this mean for us today? And I have three quick things that I just want to share. It comes down to our identity. Who are we? You know, when it comes to like New Testament is so crystal clear. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 up on the screen. Paul's saying this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I mean, that is powerful. Paul's saying, you know what, the very presence of God, the very Spirit of God, does not live in a, a temple, lives in you. I don't know how that works, but this is a promise of Scripture that God lives in us. The very Spirit lives in us. 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says this about a community of people. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you, lives in you. Right now, as you're sitting here in this room, do you believe it, not just in an intellectual way, but do you believe it deep down in your heart? That you house the Spirit of God if you are a follower of Jesus. That His Spirit dwells in you, empowers you, and leads you and guides you just like He did in Acts 2 with those believers. The second thing is, do we really understand all that we have been given? If the Spirit lives in us, do we understand the power that we've been given? 2 Timothy 1, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul said, I came to you not with amazing speech or wisdom, but when I was with you, the speech, my speech was not in words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith will rest on God and not on men. Sometimes I think that we are having our faith rest on maybe the giftedness of men and women. I'm like, oh, they're amazing at this and this and this, and they're articulate speakers, and those are gifts that God gives. I'm not against that. But Paul's saying, I came to you in a demonstration of the Spirit and power. Why? So that you can look and say, wow, that is God. 
There's a, there is a God in this, in this universe. No way that that could happen other than God. Ephesians 3 says this, and I love this verse. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, which is something that we pray all the time. God, do more than we could ever ask or think, or ask or imagine. But how does he do that? According to the power at work within us. That power is available to us. Are we desperate for it? Are you and I desperate for it? To walk around our days and say, you know what, God? I'm going into this conversation. I desperately need your spirit's power to be at work. God, I need you to totally fill every aspect of my life with the Holy Spirit. To lead me and guide me, to purify my heart, to strengthen me, to keep me strong against temptation. Are we desperate for the spirit to be at work in our lives? Because this world is desperate to see the power of God on display. And I often wonder, like, what does that power look like? What does that power look like today? Because you and I have seen charismatic personalities who have gone and done things, and maybe I would even say like they're operating more in just a, a, a charismatic personality instead of the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. What does this power look like? It's signs and wonders, it's healing, it's boldness to proclaim the gospel, but it's also in the, the small little things, or things that we think are small. See, sometimes I think we've idealized this power, like it's always just a boom, you know, this big stuff. This week, I had a conversation with a high school student. Actually, she shared it at a group when we were hanging out. And there was this high school student who felt led by the Lord as she was driving by a cemetery to stop. But she saw somebody kneeling by the grace, the tombstone. And she prayed and said, God, just like, if this is of you, like, really make me stop. Leave me to stop. And she stopped, walked over to this person, put her arm around her and said, is there anything you need? And this person next to this grave uh, tombstone said, you know what, I was going to hurt myself really bad. And I prayed and I asked God to send me somebody. That's the power of God at work today. That's the power of God. The power of God is at work today when you get this, this sense, like this feeling of like, you know what, I need to text this person. I need to shoot something to them. And they come back and they say, how did you even know? Power of God is at work in the, the Shaper's life as they invited young couples over. Remember getting a text from Jen, and she goes, you know what, I didn't even you know, have to decide. God made the decision for me because he put this burden on my heart, and look at the fruit that has happened as a result of that. God's spirit is alive and well, and are we paying attention to it? Because he wants to fill each and every one of us with the power of his spirit to go and proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus. And so this morning, I want you to walk away from this place realizing two things. That you are not limited because the Spirit of God is in you. But I also want you to walk around humbly because anything that happens of value in your life where you see a life transformed, it's all because of the Spirit's power, not because of how awesome you are. We're awesome, sure, whatever, God loves us. But it's all because of the Spirit at work in you and through you. And anything that I have ever seen of value happen in my life or in the life of another person, it's all because of the Holy Spirit. I'm not good enough to transform a heart, but when I see a heart melt, I'm like, God, that is you. That is you at work. When I see someone get healed, I'm like, that's not, I can't do that. God, that's your spirit. When I talk to somebody and they're like, oh, how did you even know? I'm not that good. It's only because of the power of the spirit at work in my life and in your life. And I would love for us to continue to be those people that are ordinary, that are unschooled, but that are full of the spirit saying, you know what? We're going here, there, and everywhere. 
and we're empowered by Spirit, and it looks different for each person. And so I want to leave with this. Are we desperate for the Spirit? Are we desperate? And we prayed for that last week, too. Are we desperate for the Spirit? You know, can you come up and just leave us in one more song? And as we do that, like, our, let's cry out and be desperate for the Spirit in our life. Desperate for God to show up. Desperate for God to move in, in every situation of our lives. Because the Spirit is available to us. We have to be crying out for God to move.